Hi, and welcome to RPPR, Roleplaying Public Radio. This is episode three, when uh, games go bump in the night. Uh, For, would- okay, uh, by the way, Ross, do we really need the announcer voice when you intro this thing? Yes! Okay, no, I guess we don't, but, you know... I like the announcer voice. I think it's fun. Well, if it works for you, fine. But I'm just saying, I don't think it's necessary. Well, you know, I'm trying to... It's called showmanship, okay? Showmanship. Entertainment. But Isn't that what we're doing? Do we really yes, need that? Yes, that's why on? the announcer voice is so essential. Okay, we're getting beyond the point. We're talking... This is uh, October, and it's... Uh, or at least it will be for a few more days. So it's... Uh, Halloween and Horror Month and all that jazz. We went off for a while, but we're back and because Ross had to go visit his brother in Washington. Yes, it was actually pretty fun. I went to the uh, one small thing. I went to the Small Press Expo, which is a comic book uh, convention. Uh, Met a lot of webcomic people like the guy Nicholas uh, Gurevich from the Perry Bible Fellowship. And uh, if you notice on the RPPR website, I got uh, 18 different artists to sketch what they think the sequel to the Oregon Trail would look like. As you know, uh, we've done our own rendition of that. Oregon Trail 13, Trail Trail Harder. Harder. Uh, (laughs) So, But uh, each of these uh, artists had a very different idea. I was very surprised how everyone had their own version of what they think the sequel would look like. uh, That explains why you went off the air, because Ross thought family was more important than entertaining all of you. Well, yeah, I guess. And... He betrayed you, but yes. I haven't. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thanks, th- thanks for driving a wedge between the audience and me. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Uh, all right. Anyways, we're, but uh, again, back to the serious business of uh, talking about art role-playing games, because role-playing games are very serious. Uh, we are uh, talking about horror games this month. Of course, there are quite a few. Horror is a very popular genre within role-playing games. But one of the more difficult ones to pull off. To pull off successfully, and by that I mean there's really a difference between horror-like stylized games and really, you know, scary games. And you can run a scary game in any RPG. It doesn't, you know, you could run a scary game in Dungeons and Dragons. But um, we're going to focus on horror games that have been run really, you know, have been scary and what has not been scary at all. So it does not not take much to kill scary yeah, no, especially in a, a role-playing game uh, when most of the players are thinking about awesome loot that they want and uh, and or experience points and uh, what else? Uh, and telling jokes and quoting Monty Python. So uh, it, it, it's on, easy well, to a kill. Sta- a staple of games, you know, well, yeah. quoting Monty Python. <laughs> um, so why don't we talk about uh, games that have worked in terms of uh, actually being scary, that rare coveted status. Um, of course... Uh, several mo- two years ago, actually, I ran a hunter campaign, Hunter of the Reckoning, the redheaded stepchild of the old world of darkness. Ooh, yes, definitely. Yeah, um, underappreciated, but I liked it. It was sort of a weird hybrid of being a normal human. Only you weren't quite normal. You had you know sort of minor supernatural abilities, and of course there were different clans basically of hunters. But of traditions. course, everything could still waste you in a second. Yeah. So it, and um. Anyways, uh, I had uh, uh, several players uh, set up, and they were normal people, and I decided to do something different at the start of the game. It uh, I started the very opening of the game in at a wedding. At a wedding and what can, what's more scarier than losing 
all of your freedom for the next lifetime. <laughs> or until the divorce. Um, Indeed. But in this case, of course, uh, horrible things happened at the wedding, and the players were all imbued uh, and killed basically rots, uh, the undead people thingies that uh, are endemic to the hunter setting. Read Wraith if you want to know what happened there. Yeah, and um, basically... They uh, found out there was this entity called the Beast or the Diseased Man. Uh, the, my, the details are a little sketchy in my head. And uh, it was wanting to come into this world and do very, very bad things, you know, into the world type stuff. Use your imagination. And uh, But the players all found out each of them had a common link to this beast. Uh, that And they were missing a year of their childhood, like during middle school, all of them were at the same school, but none of them could remember it. And there was this photo of all of them together as kids in this middle school. So, of course, they had to figure out what their connection was and what that connection was to the beast, the big bad guy. And uh, much hunting of vampires and werewolves and things that go bump in the night that happen. But anyways, Tom, you were a player in that game. I was. So uh, uh, why do you think it was actually scary? Or tell me about the times you actually were... Uh, frightened or it was really uh, immersive or you know you, well yeah. I must say that I think I'm not trying to you know compliment you here God forbid I ever do that of course but you are really into it and when the GM's really into it that kind of gets the players to shut up and actually pay attention to what's going on and there was one moment in particular where the ghost of this little girl was coming you know coming to either help us or we were encountering it and you can you really pulled off the creepy little girl voice, and for some reason we were dead quiet when that was happening. And I think we actually had to make a joke right after that just to kind of ground us again. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. God, um, yeah. Actually, I remember I was really into that game because I had the plot figured out beforehand, which usually I kind of improv my games depending on the genre. Um, and uh, I would keep notes of what actually happened so things were consistent, which is not always what I do. Like, I created this newsletter, which I still have my computer, of uh, HunterNet, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, it was t- it took place in Chicago. Chicago. So there was this uh, Windy City newsletter where this one hunter was talking about all the stuff that was happening. And uh, people, you know, the players could remember, oh, yeah, that's what we did three or four weeks ago. So they could remember their clues and everything like that. And uh, it was... I think that helped build the suspension. But a lot of things just came together in that. First of all, the players actually were going along with it and into it. Yeah. And not, as you say, quoting Monty Python every five seconds. That's true. Uh, we actually had a good place to play, too, I think. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the that empty meeting room in the dorm. Yeah, it was uh, the honor honor dorm at our college, and they had this big midi- meeting room in the bottom, uh, I wouldn't say the basement, but the ground floor. Completely isolated. Yeah, uh, quiet. They had a big white uh, uh, dry erase board. And, uh, you know, during the weekends, all the students would actually be partying. Of course, we'd be, you know, <laughs> killing vampires and stuff you know, like important that. Important stuff. Yeah, important stuff. And so we had a very good room for it. And there weren't uh, no TV, no Xbox, nothing like that. It was just us and the table and the game. And we had a lot of space, too. And I think that helped. Uh, so, yeah, that helped. And I got into it and the players got into it and sort of built this sort of feedback loop. I think where everyone's like, oh, okay, this is good, this is good, we'll keep doing this, so I get more energized to, you know, increase the game. So that's sort of, you know, positive reinforcement. And I think it helps that in a horror setting that you don't have characters incredibly powerful, because nothing will kill horror than being able to waste completely whatever is out there that's going bump in the night. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I thought Hunter was such a good game, because the characters had uh, the ability to survive monsters, but they weren't... 
capable of killing them and even killing you know a few ghouls or a single vampire is actually a major victory like, i mean i know white wolf is kind of supposed to be horror but is it really horror like in werewolf when you beca- you can become a nine and a half foot blender of death or vampire where you're immortal with all kinds of blood powers um other people have said this but especially about the old world of darkness i think uh, it's closer to the superhero genre. It really is. It's supernatural um, superheroes. Yeah, it, it really, you know, uh, superheroes and leather trench coats and sunglasses and wielding katanas and that's... Katanas and machine guns and <laughs> um, and in some, game, some games I've run, Apache helicopters, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, one of those high school games. Oh yeah, one of them. Yeah. Um, so that was, I feel, uh, sort of create clues, put work into it. And the players, uh, I think everyone also wanted a scary game. I think, you know, players to get into it, they, you ha- kind of have to want to be scared. I mean, it was the per- perfect time to do it. We usually started at what? 11. Yeah. Uh, we started pretty late, like nine or 10, I think we started. So it's late and, and actually I find when people, when people are actually getting you know, a, little, are a little tired, things yeah. tend to work a little more. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, you can't have a player who doesn't want to be scared, who who refuses, and it's like a horror movie. I mean, anyone, I think it's really lame when people say, "Oh, that movie doesn't scare me." I mean, you know, it's a movie. Of course, it's not going to scare you unless you want to be scared. You want that emotional, uh, you know, rise at, oh wow. That and yeah, it is easy. Rush. I mean, horror movies, like, it is easy to be completely desensitized to them. Yeah, because you know, you you know the formula. Yeah, exactly. You could, you could point it out every step of a mo- of the movie. Yeah, same I mean, thing, some movies role- will will trip you up, but still, it's so, it's the same thing with role playing games. Yeah, uh, you 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 have to want to get involved. In it. You know, immerse yourself, suspend, your and disbelief. you all and everyone has to do it. Yeah, if you, even one even one player out of that. Yeah, one jackass can really ruin the mood. Um, Luckily, we were jackass free in that game. <laughs> yeah, who else was in it? I mean, there was John, Matt, um, there was- Aaron was in it. Oh really? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, okay. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, God, who else was in it? Anyways, um, that's neither here nor now. So that was. I'll uh, post uh, links to those uh, uh, text documents on. Uh, so you can uh, read and see how great yes. we were, <laughs> <laughs> or get an idea of what it takes. It doesn't take a lot of work actually as a GM. And uh, one thing I did was some of the players got involved. I had them write up posts to Hunter Net, and I gave them bonus experience points. So you know, get rewarding players for that going above and beyond just showing up and rolling the dice. That will help too. Um, and I think if there's written stuff written about the game you just did, people want to read about it. Yeah. I think uh, well, the players certainly want to read about. Yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. You know, actually, now that I remember it, I recorded some of those sessions. Yeah, you did. Uh, uh, I will look up, find those MP3s, and uh, uh, upload them. Uh, so you can you can listen in uh, uh, for that session. Um, so yeah, uh, that's I think sort of the the key. Those are the key elements of uh, of a good horror game. I think um, having. Uh, tools or props to immerse you in the game, having players who want to collaborate um, and putting in the work yourself. Cause it takes more work than just, you know, rolling up a dungeon and a couple of yeah. random action games are easy. Yeah. Horror uh, games. Just are Just think hard. of what action movie you want to rip off and throw in orcs or, you know, or, mutants. Or, if it's sci-fi, it's mutants. If it's fantasy, it's orcs or, or zombies. If it's horror. Well, zombies. Yeah. yeah. Or vampires. They gotta have zombies. Or well, it could be vampires or ghouls or whatever the hell. Undead. There's always a mook race. There's always you know. Yeah. There's there no matter what the genre. There's always mooks. You know, and by mooks I mean you know easily killed generic foes whose purpose is to die. No, not no 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 no. It's to make you your character look cool while killing them. That's their purpose. Or to perhaps get overconfident until you throw the 
non yeah. first the non- guy who actually has a name yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bad guy i fucking wrote his stats up so yeah. he's gonna fucking the villain wipe with, your ass the dreaded villain with yeah. the character sheet yeah Whew. wipe the floor with you damn anyway. straight um so what was of course then uh, uh we mentioned this before the masks of nair lothotep campaign which i highly recommend for any call cthulhu players we've already talked about my favorite moments yeah but... the tea shop uh, i think uh, that was the last episode or was that the first episode that was well, the I... second that was the second episode okay. of that uh so download our previous episodes. All right. Please. Yeah. Um, anyway. But no, that there was a lot of, lot of moments did work in that. It it had but, some of the similar things. That, that game was so long. We had both successes and failures in yeah. that. I mean, um, I remember... Well, one thing that... Similarity between that and the Hunter campaign was uh, handouts, clues, props. I mean, you Mask is really good about that because they're already written. You just have to photocopy them and hand them to players. Like, here's this guy's diary. Here's this clue. Yeah, and once here's- again, you you were on your game through a lot of it with like a lot of the NPCs. They weren't all... They didn't all just have that voice... It's like, you need to go here. And the woman says, yes, you must go and rescue my daughter, please. You actually you actually got into it, too. Yeah. Like not, not all of the NPCs had monotone voices. Uh, which like one, doing which right one stands out to you the most? Well, I don't know. Like, well, crap, that's... You know, that's been a good well. Idea. Anything that comes to mind. I mean, what, give me an example because I get you do you do good cultists. <laughs> yeah, crazy. For, yeah, you can do the crazy obsessed obsessed people like the the bloody like the, the bloody tongue guy that snuck into our hotel room in New York. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you I mean you can do some pretty good cultist rantings. Yeah, yeah. Before we you know break out the Tommy gun and kill him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, New York was interesting because, I mean, it was sort of slow to begin with, but uh, I remember you guys were so wary of the juju shop. Uh, oh, yeah. None of you even went into it. And they, there's this really cool encounter that you totally missed because you were rightfully freaked out by it. Like, no, we're not going there. Not at all. <laughs> I think you went there like once during day and you had guns like hidden on your person and you like just. What, like one of us had a Tommy gun under a trench coat. Yeah. And, and like you're just so freaked out by the whole thing. Like you wouldn't even entertain the idea of going into the basement. And uh, and let alone go in at night. So that was kind of interesting that you, you were like, no, no, we're, you, it was just setting off your PC radar that this is a death trap. Or, and it, it kind of is, but there's some really, uh, uh, you know, oh, well, no one can get through the entire camp, every single thing in the campaign. It's no, a massive, it, it's a big campaign. And we hit most of it. I mean, you guys hit all the continents. Um but, Even Australia, but anyways, it's like, but also yeah, that game, that game also had some pretty boner moments in it too. Yeah, um, not usually. I mean, once again, God, I'm, I'm really complimenting you today. Not <laughs> often through the fault of you. It's more that you know there's a jackass player in the group. Yeah, uh, in particular for masks, there was a lot of PC attrition. So I noticed, like at the beginning of the campaign, you would be doing, you know, I'm going to be a reporter, I'm going to be a professor, I'm going to be, you know, a normal person, yeah. a normal investigator. By, by the, the end of it, it was by, like by, by about the fifth session, like I am, like I am a German World War One veteran who's a master of all forms of firearms. And- yeah, exactly. And uh, and the very end of the campaign, I remember like uh, Karee and Dan were playing brother and sister Soviet assassins, and uh, who are like who are czarist supporters. Yeah, exactly. On the run, and then Tom, uh, Patrick was playing like a gun runner with maxed out gun skills. 
skills and dodge skills and all this other stuff. So it's like you go from normal people to hardened combat veterans who are, you know, merciless killers. And uh, using like the Hitman uh, character template in the 20s handbook and all this other stuff. It's like, I want to kill soldiers. And like we had a whole bunch of soldiers and Hitmen. Yeah, basically. You just got tired of, you know. And that... one person would bite the bullet and know things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would be the character that actually knew some things. Yeah, it's kind of like a D&D group. There's the one cleric, the one thief, you know, the one cleric to heal the party, the one thief to unlock traps and, and doors. Then, and like, Everyone and then, else must kill, kill. Like it's basically, Fighters it's, it's a couple of support vehicles and a whole bunch of main battle tanks, basically. Yeah, basically. Basically, uh, which I find entertaining. But I mean, to be fair, the campaign does have a lot of scenes of you versus a few hundred angry cultists. And... Well, yeah, the scene alone at the mosque being oh yeah, yeah, being in Africa. moshed by you know, was that really like... sort of freaky or tenseful for you? It was tense, but it was certainly wasn't horror. That was yeah. certainly more along the lines of a Stephen Sommers movie. Than yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, lives of the else. mummy, you know. I mean, like, none of us were really afraid until the weird monster showed up. Oh yeah, but, but for the most part, the someone got ate, eaten in that. Yeah, one. someone. I forget who it was, but someone was devoured. I think it was Dan. Could have been, but for the most part, it was just up on top of a wall with a Tommy gun, just mowing yeah. down hordes and good fun. Good fun. Good fun for all. Um, but yeah, again, uh, there were you, you did mention some of the bonus. I remember um, we brought in different players towards the end. Who were there for one or two sessions. Yeah, and like and, uh, Ward and uh, one of his friends, Drew especially. Ward was kind of on the borderline. His friend Drew was really bad because in one point in the Australia campaign, spoilers ahead, um, there's this uh, weird inbred family of bad people, and um, they're not cultists or anything. They're just bad, and they have like a re- one of the sons is retarded, and like mm-hmm. you guys overpowered them. I can't. You had some sort of conflict with them, but at the end, you had this retarded guy, you know, at your mercy basically, and they decided to execute him. <laughs> that's yeah. That's not like we. None of us were really insane by that. The character, our current characters, yeah, were insane. And that was kind of put a bad taste on that session because it's like you know them and the Tard killer. I think it, the they were killed pretty soon afterwards. And Call of Cthulhu meant warrants mentioned because if you have a player that's never played it before, yeah, they're not prob- they're probably not going to be used to the no problem can be solved with brute not every problem can be solved with brute force. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. they'll actually like, some of them, I've heard, some pad people they've taken offense like wait I lose sanity for just seeing a dead body? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. I mean, some. Yeah. Just it's the same place. Some players don't want to be scared. Yeah, I think some players, get, especially D and D, is really bad about teaching players that every encounter can be overcome. Well, like you know, it's like in the book of Vile Darkness, Asmodeus, Lord of the Ninth, has a challenge rating, the hit yeah. points, and everything that kind of takes away. From well, I mean, Cthulhu has hit points and stats too, but how it's... often do you actually encounter him? <laughs> Depending on the game. Um. The difference is in the design philosophy in D and D. You're supposed to overcome the majority of your challenges. You're supposed to like defeat the bad guys, uh, solve the puzzle, save the girl, whatever. And Cthulhu. I don't care if you're piloting the USS Missouri. You're right. not going to take him out. Right. You're supposed to survive. You and there are monsters you just have to run away from. And D and D players can't get. They, they, they cannot get that through the idea of running away from monsters that seem defeatable is just alien to them. Um, I mean, it's like even Cthulhu, like, come on, it's only it's a colossal aberration. I've seen worse. Yeah, I mean, I know, even halfway through the campaign, you guys would just run from a lot of monsters or just get the hell out of the way, like uh, the Bayekis. You know, or, they... or even the encounter with uh, the cats in Egypt. Oh yeah, that was another really good moment. Really? Yeah, okay. I thought so. Okay. Where we actually, where we actually kind of helped Bost, but you know, her, yeah. her cats kept showing up, and yeah, was that freaky or is that? I thought cr- that was pretty freaky. Okay. 
often it's the little shit that's freaky rather than yeah. Cthulhu arises from the water. You know, one thing I, I did in that mass that I've done for a while in Cthulhu is that I never try and describe the monster specifically. I mean, I'll use specific monsters from the book, well, obviously. With the players, we, we're all familiar. We know immediately what it right. is. I mean, and like I'd say, it's the horrible thing, the, the rough-shapen thing with wings bursting through the door. You hear its terrible cry. Uh, its inhuman visage, you know, terrifies you to your soul. I mean, it's I described it as an impression, as an emotional thing, rather than just, oh, it's a bayaki, or it's a hunting horror that's descending upon you and going because, to your ass. Because, well, come on, like, we're also D&D players. Like, ah, oh, yes, it's a ghoul. Okay, well, yeah. the, the, here's their advantages and disadvantages, their weaknesses. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, and that's not foolproof, even if you give it just a rough description of what it can and can't do. I mean, eventually, knowledgeable players are going to figure it out. Like, in that um, World War One game we played in at Gen Con, like, halfway through, it's like, oh, all his blood's been sucked out by invisible by an invisible monster with sucker holes? Oh, well. Star vampire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. Uh, of course, by then, my, already, my first character had been killed. So. Well, like. You fell. You didn't die from blood loss. You fell off the zeppelin. Yeah, I'm kind of. I wish I, I. You see, if I knew the rules, if like I was so afraid of setting off the thing that I didn't want to, you know, end the entire game by blowing up the zeppelin. So I, I would have shot at it, but yeah. I decided to risk and my, knowing my horrible dice rolls, you know. Oh. Well, yeah, you died. Yeah, I died. I died proudly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, well, um, yeah, that's another thing. Of Call of Cthulhu is. You can't be super attached to your characters, but you can't view them as cannon fodder either. Yeah, I mean, players get too decent. I think that's sort of a, a mechanism of, uh, like, I'm not scared by anything. They're just, they view their characters as disposable. And, you know, you can't really... It, Call of Cthulhu has that reputation, but you really can run a subtle game where you can have a character lasting for years. It just depends on what well, type of Mass game Marvel you're Hotep, There is no time for some psychoanalysis to recover sanity or anything. Yeah, like I, I mean, it's just a very nasty campaign in general. I mean, even if your character did recover all their sanity or most of it, like it's just those, you know, uh, invading temple compounds and crap like that. And but they're going to get their ass eaten ex- yeah, or well, killed. That's that's Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Well, that's mass, though. There are Call of Cthulhu games that are much, much more subtle, like uh, where you don't lose very much sanity, where you, it's more uh, like... Well, the, the one book I have, the Insmith. It depends on the, the style. The Return to Insmith. Yeah. It's, there's not a whole lot of just outright just scare the crap out of you shit. Yeah. So it, it, don't shut down as a player just because you're playing Call of Cthulhu and just, just because your character could die. I mean, really... You know, commit yourself to it. I, I, well, that, commit yourself is, I think, is the wrong word, but um, well, then again, we could go on. Give and it an honest chance. Yeah, we could go on about Call of Cthulhu, but yeah. we've had we've had successful horror in other situations, like your um, Pleasant Glades game comes to yes, mind, which is available on RPGnow.com. Look up Pleasant Glades. Plug. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't get any money from it. It's like for two dollars, it's a PDF um, you get from Misfit Studios. But I Ross wrote I, it, I, so he's yeah. a. Yeah, he's, I he's paid. Really I got paid fifty bucks. If you really, yeah, give me a good review on it. There's like two reviews on it, and um, anyways, it's a D twenty modern adventure. And the basic idea is that there's this small town in America where weird, like this weird signal, basically f- makes everyone in the town go insane, and it's broadcast through every. For the record, device. yes, I know that many of you have heard about that book of Stephen King, The Signal, and the movie that's coming out. This is like raw. This is independent of that. We yeah, my, I wrote mine in two thousand five, which is also the year I was doing the the hunter camp. The same time I was doing the hunter campaign. And, I wrote and that. Uh, in fact, it was the same group that play tested that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think there's one or two different players, but Aaron uh, wasn't in that one. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was a very different uh, sort of campaign, or it but, was a one shot because it, it worked. Because I think it was it was D twenty modern, and all of us were into it once again because we want to know what the hell's going on. Yeah, I mean that, that's like if we could figure the plot out right away, like oh, now we have to find the right set of circumstances it'll get us to finding out what we already know <laughs> well yeah but again you were playing very like a uh, first or third level characters pretty low level modern 20 modern characters and they're pretty and we we're playing like we were playing investigators like yeah not combat so, monkeys, so not yeah. combat monsters yeah um in fact i think only one of us was playing a tough hero i think the rest were like there were smart heroes and a couple of uh the wisdom based ones um dedicated dedicated thank you yeah and uh, again, everyone like the 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 thing is the the signal in Pleasant Glades drove everyone to a different sort of insanity. Like some people just stare, just couldn't look away from. Some the people signal. thought the apocalypse was happening. Some people had other, de- you know, very specific types of delusions, and so they had these different narratives, these different stories from these people, and everyone else, everyone affected by it, had their own sort of challenges. Um, you know, and there also there was also the rival team that came in. Yeah. And so there was some there was some violence in it, but it was just sort of like I didn't explain everything at the end or it was sort of very vague. I didn't like this is exactly how it's happening, blah, blah, blah. Um, horror, a lot about it is about the unknown, what you don't know. So give the players an incomplete p- picture, uh, basically. Uh, what else do you remember from that? Uh, yeah, well, most I remember that I don't really think. I don't. Think, I actually don't think any shots were ever fired, as far as I remember. Yeah, I just, there might, might have been like I might have been our tough hero fired. You know, found a pistol in a police station. And, yeah, but of course, you know, it was still like some of us went right to our old you know routines, and when we, the moment we found out something was really bad wrong in this town, some of us went straight to the wrong. police station to try to find some guns. Yeah, and, that's a typical player character. Yeah, but other others of us actually got down to investigating and yeah. Um, again, it's, uh, one thing, of course, I think horror actually works better in a modern or a contemporary or, you know, real world setting. 20th than like century yeah. kind of thing. 20, 21st century. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's more familiar. Yeah. The familiar turned unfamiliar or something very un, you know, it's it, when you're in a fantasy world, everything is totally different. So it, there's not as much frame of reference to work out, but when you have a nice, normal American town that suddenly everything Silent is, Hill yeah. comes to mind. Yeah, exactly. Silent Hill. Uh, or to a lesser extent, some of the Resident Evil games. Yeah. I think it I think it just sort of works better. Of course, I mean th- this isn't to say you can't run horror in other genres. I think uh there's certain very good uh adventures, campaigns uh written in it. I think there's a Call of Cthulhu thing set in the near future where there's a colony on Mars. Um I think it's called End Times. And then, of course, there's lots of fantasy adventure horror, you know, Ravenloft. Right. One. So, um, but again, it, it sort of depends. But um, yeah, anyways, uh, so we'll be back in a moment and uh, Tom will have a letter and we'll be talking more about horror. You all love those letters. I know. Yes. All right. And we're back, and Tom has a very special letter for this uh, Halloween episode of RPPR. So, Tom. Thank you, Ross. Dear every evil wizard or warlord in every D&D game I've ever played in, before I begin this letter in earnest, I'd like to thank all of you for all the fun you've given me in D&D. 
I don't think that the various campaigns I've participated in over the years would quite be the same without the hours of poking around the horrid, dank tombs that your final remains call home. Sometimes I've even met some of you, in one state or another, at the heart of the immense tomb. Those meetings rarely ended peacefully, but always with an interesting outcome. But, as you can imagine by my D&D playing self, I have lots of time to reflect on inane and inconsequential thoughts. And after my particularly long reflection while trying to sit through the incredibly tedious Saw 4 this weekend, a revelation hit me. This is a revelation I must pose to you all, even though it may cast doubt on the dungeon crawls I've enjoyed for so long. That revelation is, is it really necessary to construct those endless dungeon labyrinths in the first place? I know that it's almost a requirement for people of your power and reputation to build these dark underground mazes of madness and death, but is it really that important in the grand scheme of things? In the case of you dark wizards and sorcerers out there, I can see how it might be to your advantage. After all, death certainly isn't the end for you, what with lichdom and whatnot. You can keep hold of all that you have acquired and keep on existing throughout eternity, and I have never heard of some undead horror living in the cozy, bright mansion in the middle of town. Dark, creepy dungeons are the perfect retirement homes for those such as you. No, my quandary is leveled at you evil warlords who command armies and conquer nation after nation, all in a quest for slaves, plunder, and power. I respect all of you for the invaluable service you provide for adventurers such as myself. Without evil villains like you, we would be adventurers without a cause, much like Luke Skywalker would be just another rocket sled jockey hitting on his sister without Darth Vader to make him a hero. So I know we need you. But do you really need dark tombs to house everything you've acquired in your lifetime of rape and pillage? Most of you are the non-magical fighter type, and it's unlikely that you will continue on in some undead state to conquer more lands. No, when you die, it's more than likely you will simply be a pile of remains rotting away underground. I know it's a huge ego thing to have a burial site that reflects your wealth and power, but let's be realistic here. If you've been properly evil, then no one will want to remember you. Your tomb will be nothing more than a playground for legions of do-gooder heroes coming to test themselves and plunder all of the wealth and items that contained therein. Wouldn't all the resources you put into your massive underground tombs of terror be better spent elsewhere? Perhaps it's that you can't think of anything else that could use all your ill-gotten treasure. If that's the case, I have the perfect solution. Instead of spending your blood money on a huge tomb for yourself, why not invest that money and power in a worthy successor? If you know that death is close at hand, whether from old age or impending forces of light smashing down your walls, arrange for another up-and-coming warlord to receive your treasure and magical items. That way, when the forces of light finally take back the lands you've conquered and slay you in your fortress, they won't be able to use the treasure you rightfully stole to ease the suffering of your unworthy peasants. The heroes will have their hands full helping the recently liberated nations recover from your oppressive rule, allowing your successor time to organize and consolidate his own power and prepare the way for a new empire of evil to rise. When you think about it, this is almost your duty in the world. Remember, evil warlords are an invaluable resource in every fantasy gaming world, and with a proper reallocation of plunder and magical items, evil warlords can be a renewable resource. All right, we'll be back in a sec. And we're back. Um, anyways, of course, well, we, we didn't really go anywhere, but yeah, we just put in a little. I put in a little bit of music, so it's you know, it's kind of like a radio show. Right, right. Yeah. Anyways, um, I want to mention a couple things before we get to the uh, anecdote of the episode. Um, want to uh, send a shout out, uh, thanks to uh, Seamus Young, who's created a very funny web comic called DM of the Rings. It's finished, but uh, you can go through the whole thing. I'll put a link up on our website. Uh, it's He's taken uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, taken uh, screenshots from them, and added in little text bubbles and captions to make it 
a D&D game uh, uh, where, of course, the players uh, want loot, want to loot the dead orcs and uh, hate the DM for railroading them so much and uh, really gets into the uh, absurdity of uh, most dungeon games, dungeon crawling games, and uh, very, very, very amusing. So uh, I highly recommend it. Um, let's see. Also, we've lately, uh, just so you know, at the table, we... Uh, do our RPPR. We've been playing. I've been running a game of Rain. Greg Stoles, uh, very fun fantasy RPG using the one roll engine. Uh, Tom is of course in that game. Ah, uh, yes, I am. And uh, it's very fun. It very it very different dynamic than D and D because uh, players aren't so concerned with personal loot and treasure as they are. Yeah, with... we we have responsibilities. Yes, yeah, you have your own little company and you want to make it rich and you want to uh, generally be bastards. You you're trying to do you know. Uh, doing inside dealing trying to sort of backstab see how you can get rid of the competition before. well come on we're only a few words away in our in the name of our company from the east empire trading company yeah so, so east india yeah so uh we're yeah we're we're bastards by nature in this yeah it's uh it's pretty amu- for me personally running the game is very fun just to see how the players squabble and argue about what they should do next i just uh, Cody, he, just, he, he Ross, yeah, Ross just shuts up and looks at us with a smile on his face. <laughs> just oh wait, we need to do this. Oh, we need to do that. Oh God, how we gonna do this? It's it's very amusing. Um, we, we haven't we haven't called anyone a Nazi yet, which is I think that's a sign of our maturity. <laughs> yes, but uh, it's a very amusing game. I highly recommend it. Please go out and buy it. It's a great game. All the supplements are free. Uh, the main book is only will only set you back forty bucks. I think. So, uh, or 50 bucks, um, but still it's worth it. So if you ever want to do mass combat or mass, like very high end mass intrigue, even. yeah, intrigue, diplomacy, politics, uh, you know, not being anything greater than just a couple of guys looking for loot. It, that, that, this is the sort of fantasy you want. So, um, anyways, uh, one last, uh, shout out. Hey. well, I really didn't have anything, Ross. No. But, well, you, well, I, I mean, you. T- well, I, I will. I okay, fine. I'll make a shout out. I'd like to have a shout out to the makers of Vault, Veiled, or Veiled, as we end up calling it. For yes, some it, reason it powers. Which, yeah. It powers us. It is. It fuels us through the games because yes. sometimes we have to. Because there are oftentimes Ross's plots are really boring. Oh, and we ow. fall asleep. Ow! I. Does that hurt you? It hurt. Take that. Yeah. Well, you know, your mama's so fat. Uh, when she walks, she needs to use the D8 splash diagram to find out where her rolls of fat land. For those listening, Ross has recently been reading an, reading a list online, so uh, he's been dying to break some Your of them out. Your mama's so dumb. Uh, lithids, when a lithids meet her, they go vegetarian. Anyway, let's try to get keep on task here, Ross. Yeah! Burn! Yes, okay. way to go. Your mama's so old, she thinks dwarf is still a class. No. Yes. No. Yes. Okay. Thyco is wacko. Thyco is wacko. Well, obviously. Okay. Stencil it to your head. All right. Uh, chance to hit armor class zero. Anyways, um, so now we have, of course, the last segment of our show, uh, gaming anecdote. Um, and in the spirit of things, we'll make them horror anecdotes. Okay. And I, I have one. Certainly, I think the most... White Wolf, I think, especially first and second edition, really tried to be a horror game, a game of personal horror, especially vampire yeah you know werewolf still was kind of the uh munchkin game of white wolf from the beginning but vampire they really tried to make it a horror but most successful white wolf game i was in horror wise was none of those but a project twilight game where you are playing government agents in our case we were 
FBI agents from the Special Affairs Division, kind of White Wolf's version of the X-Files. And my friend Sean, who's since moved away, was running that one, and Sean had a gift with making games creepy and frightening. Yeah. And um, I just remember there was a time, like, we were out exploring an old farmhouse, and, of course, our car broke down. Yeah. Well, by that, I mean our tires were slashed because we ran over a hidden spike trap in the gravel road kind of like the hills have eyes sort of thing kind of yeah and uh we were forced to we were forced to walk the route and sean was sean is pretty successful with uh providing like noises like distant howling and the fact that we stopped for both of us me and my friend david we stopped and still heard footsteps behind us we, yeah, we never actually saw what was following. That's us. that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. don't show. Sometimes sometimes you want to show the monster in all its glory. You know, weird since you just described it. Sometimes you don't. You just want to fuck with them. You know. But yeah, it, I mean, he, we eventually did see the main monster in the middle of this little town, which was a massive bane bane possessed black spiral dancer. Of course, you didn't know what the hell that was, or no. your characters didn't. No, but. but he had a rule that I think really helped in White Wolf to make the horror in that we were not allowed to have Willpower 10 to start with. Yeah. And that was, you know, at least another anecdote I think is a major problem of White Wolf, which is Willpower 10 is the ultimate F you to any kind of horror White Wolf has. Yeah, it says you don't want to be scared. You don't want to play a horror game, really. It says you want to play an action game. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember a character you played where it was a kinfolk, but you had Firearms 5. Yeah, and, actually, uh, I remember The uh, the Rock had just come out. Yeah. And I was basing him off uh, Ed Harris's character from that. And uh, Firearms 5, the, an Arsenal Brawl- 5. Strength and, and Brawling of 5. And uh, um, Willpower 10, of course. Which, so. uh, I, was actually, I was actually the biggest combat monster, even, yeah. even though we had werewolves in the group, too. Yeah, you just min-maxed the hell out of it. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, just wielding an M16 or an M60, depending on the situation. Yeah, I think it was uh, set up so that the human folks would basically have the same number of points as werewolves. So even though werewolves were inherently better at combat, you know, the humans were all more experienced than the werewolves. Yeah, and of course, like Willpower 10, nothing really scared me. Yes, you're immune to the delirium, you're immune to blah, blah, blah. You have 10 dice, you have all these little points you can burn off for automatic successes. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, again, this sort of min-maxing goes against horror, and uh, horror, it shouldn't be based... The horror of the game shouldn't be based on whether your character is com- efficient enough to defeat the monster. I mean, it shouldn't be about that. It's not an action game. I mean, it's I, not I a think, tactical thing. I think, you know, character-wise, often being assigned... Uh, being cho- list, Choosing from a list of characters is often more effective than... Yeah, pre-generated characters. Your own. Like, I remember uh, one one horror game... I, one of the few horror games I ran with you was that GURPS game. Uh-huh. Kind of back in the day, and I had oh, yeah, yeah. I had like about seven pre-generated characters. Yeah, and uh, I believe you actually chose the guy who was a border was a borderline sociopath. Yeah, had voices in his head, had the whole deal. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, I think I I bollocked it up towards the end. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think even you told me, horror aficionado that you are, that the beginning and the middle was were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Endings are tough. I mean, uh, you've built up the suspense. It's trying to carry it out in this, you I, know, I like, dramatic finale. Which I did, but then you ha- then I had to get to the end. And- yeah. It, it's sort of, uh, it, it's tricky to learn. P- pacing in a game is very different because the players are not only the audience, they're the collaborators for it, and they have their own ideas on how they want to Exactly, and... Yeah, best laid like best laid plans can turn to <laughs> crap in an instant. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, 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 the point is, of course, to um, I forgot the point. But anyways, um, 
that's all we have to say about horror for now. Uh, happy gaming, and we'll see you next episode for Role Playing Public Radio. Remember, listen to us, please. We 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 we, we, we are we feed upon the popularity. Without yeah. it, we are nothing. Uh, thanks. That that yeah. Don't that way to be not desperate. Anytime, no. home slice. All right. Uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>